This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Welcome to No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Altman, the big game hunter, the head coach for job search, coachinghq.com. Check us out. I think you'll like the site, and I hope you join me there. And normally on Wednesdays, I do brain teaser questions that firms use on interviews. But I'm going to continue this week with my theme of the longer interviews from Job Search Radio that I've previously recorded. Again, all about interviewing. And this is the second of a two-part series that I did with Eric Kramer, uh, who had written a book that I was interviewing him about. And I hope you find this show helpful. I, I know the first episode was yesterday. Thus, you have about an hour's information to go through from Eric that I think will be helpful to you. Please give this show five stars in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. And connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash The Big Game Hunter. And now let's get going. I interviewed Eric Kramer last week about his book, Active Interviewing, and I knew right away on first read of the book that there was more material in there than we could cover in one show. So I immediately invited him back for a second, and we go into a lot more depth on this show than in the first one. The two shows stand up. I stand individually very well. So if this is the first one that you're listening to, not a problem at all. Uh, it's different material than the first show. So hang in there, join me for the ride, and I hope you enjoy the show. Are you looking for a new job or interested in leveling up? Job Search Radio is your go-to resource for insider tips on job hunting and growing your career. Here's your host, Jeff Altman. So my guest again is Eric Kramer. Uh, Eric is the author of Active Interviewing, and he and his firm, Innovative Career Services, do career services and information for job hunters and others, and we're back talking some more about active interviewing on this show. Eric, welcome back. Appreciate you taking time again. Oh, thanks, Jeff. I'm glad to be back and to continue our conversation. You're welcome. So in the previous show, in our first show with one another, we spent a lot of time beating the horse of interviewing being like a sales call. And folks, if you haven't listened to that show, you really should, because Eric, I thought, did a wonderful job impressing upon people that you know, if you think of interviewing like being in sales, uh, it gives you a certain mindset and a way of preparing for interviews that we're going to go into in detail now. So given the fact that you know, we're now thinking like a salesperson going out on a sales call, how should someone start off preparing for this interview slash sales call? 
Well, I'm, I'm going to address that. Let me just once say one thing before I get started with that, Jeff, is that I want to just repeat for people something from yesterday is that we are all salespeople, and we spend a lot of our life engaged in selling things. Oftentimes, we're selling ideas. The reason I say this is that people have kind of this knee-jerk reaction to the word sales, and they think about a used car salesman or a door-to-door -door salesman or a sleazy salesman that's trying to sell someone something they don't want, and they're selling it for too much money. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is doing what's called consultative sales, which is really understanding what the buyer wants, spending time understanding what their needs are, and then connecting your services to what their needs are and how you can benefit them. Um, and we, again, we're selling all the time. We're persuading people to do things. So I don't want uh, the listeners to be concerned or fearful when they hear that word sales. Got it. But let me, you know, let me, let me address your question then. You know, interview is a sales call. So what I suggest to people is you approach a interview exactly like a salesperson approaches a sales call. So the first thing any good salesperson does is they research the prospect. They research the company. They research the person they're going to talk with that they're going to be selling their services or their product to. Do you so, have a pre preferred place to research a company? Well, you know, there's just so, – which is, you know, with the advent of the Internet, it's so terrific and it's so easy now. Certainly, um, you know, just plain Googling a company – and finding out all of the things about that company. Now, one of the mistakes that some people make is they Google a company, they find the company's website, they go to the website, and they do their research there. Look through page one of Google, page two of Google, page three of Google, to see what's being written about the company. What are the trends in the industry that the company might be uh, connected to? What are the competitors of that company? Uh, what, what are the stock prices of its public company? If you, if you Google a company, there's a lot of information written about the company. Now, of course, there might be some small companies that people are applying to, and there's much less out there, and then the website will um, suffice. But even when you go to the website, lots of companies have press releases. What is the company writing about itself? Or the company may have been written up in, in the news someplace. What was written about that company? So Got it. that's really the place to go. Um, but you need to research a lot about a company. You need to research the industry that the company is in and start to understand what the trends are, what the competitors are doing, what their competitive advantages, what their competitive disadvantages are. You need to research the company itself, size, location, how does the company make money, what's the hierarchy, what's the structure. Um, and then you need to research this, the job specifically, What's the, what department it is in, how does that department relate to the rest of the company. And then today with LinkedIn, you can often research the people that you'll be interviewing with and get some background. Um, interestingly, I just uh, someone was, was selling me a product the other day. He went to LinkedIn and found out about where I went to school and where I grew up, and he had this whole conversation prepared, which was a nice way for him to establish rapport with me. So and folks, you, know, folks you may have a small LinkedIn network, uh, and I just want to chime in and say, 
if you want to expand your network dramatically, reach out to me, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash The Big Game Hunter. Make sure you mention that you heard about this on Job Search Radio. Connect with me. I've got an enormous network, and thus you should be able to get access to almost anyone that you want to uh, do research about through my network. I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, that's terrific, and that you know that that moves people ahead very, very quickly in in their research um, ability. That's that's great. That's great. Thank you. So, so, so you know, again, before, so you know, the, the number one complaint that interviewers have is that people are not prepared for the interview, and when they mean prepared, that the person hasn't researched the company and the industry and don't really understand what's going on within the company and how this job. Um, functions within the company and also how that job might function within the industry. Um, so one of the things I, I suggest also when you're doing that, that research, put together a briefing book. Get that research and put it into a, um, an organized fashion so you can look at it and you can study it. So you're not just reading articles online, but you're actually taking those articles and those press releases or that information in the website and putting it someplace that you can refer to it in, in study. So that's cool. that's what you do before. Like, and again, any you, any good salesperson will have researched their prospects prior to the uh, to going for the sales call. And then what do they do next? Well, again, just as any good salesperson would do, is once they have their information about the prospect, they put together a sales presentation. And this is a new idea that I um, have developed through this active interviewing approach. Again, active interviewing has to do with the job seeker being active in the interview, not sitting back and just passively asking questions that the interviewer might ask. They need to go into the interview prepared to guide it. I'm not talking about controlling the interview. I'm talking about guiding the interview. Um, just like any good salesperson guides the sales process. They don't run roughshod over the, uh, over the customer. They guide the customer. So what you want to do is put together a presentation, and just as any salesperson would do, so you want to first um, do a needs analysis. So what are the critical requirements of the position? So you list those critical requirements, and then create a conversation. So in the interview, you would turn to the first page of this presentation and say, here's what I believe to be the critical requirements of the position. I'd like to discuss them with you just to make sure that both you and I understand what you're looking for the person to do who takes on this role. So that's a needs analysis. Once you understand what the requirements are, the next is linking your background, skills, experience. You're looking for someone who's done these things. Here's what I've done that links up, that shows you that I've done similar activities or I have skills that apply or I have an education that will enable me to do the, the, the things you're looking to do. And you're next doing step, this right out of the box on the interview. That's what right out of the box on the interview. Right. Now, again, what people need to keep in mind is that it's called a presentation, but it really is a basis for a conversation. So this isn't the type of thing where you would stand up in front of the room or you would project this and go through this presentation. It is a, um, it's a written document that have, has bullet points that enables the interviewer to look at these bullet points, visually see what you want to talk about, and then engage in a conversation. So oftentimes people say to me, well, how long does it take to go through the presentation? 
Well, nobody ever goes through the presentation from, from beginning to end um, and, and recites it. It's, you know, I've had – people have, have used presentations, and it's taken as much as an hour and a half or two hours because it creates a conversation, and that conversation takes a long time, and it's a lot of rich content comes out of that conversation. The best interviews you ever have is a conversation. The worst I agree with you. you ever have. Yeah. I, was about to say, the, the I agree with you. Cross-examination. You go ahead, please. Please feel free. No, no, I'll go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on. But I, I just, you know, again, conversations are what you want to have. You want to have something that creates conversations. A presentation does that. The worst interviews you have are cross-examinations. Agreed. Now, I have a different philosophy that I want to get into in just one moment. But first, I want to do my insider tip, uh, which is today about Indeed and LinkedIn and how to get more responses from recruiters, both corporate and third party, how to get more activity from them faster than you might any other way. Now, both platforms really want you to do something where there's a relationship established. So, for example, in the case of LinkedIn, they want you to be connected with this other individual in order for them to reveal your contact information. And on Indeed, even if you upload your contact information, Indeed requires that uh, the person searching resumes do something to reach out to you. So, and the reach out is done through their platform. So they're not releasing information right away that allows the recruiter to get in touch with you. They're requiring that they send the message through Indeed. Now, that's not terrible, but if you're actively looking for work, you're competing with other people. And that other person is not waiting. They're not waiting to release their information or waiting for you to get back online and accept the connection request as you would on LinkedIn. Here's what I suggest you do. On LinkedIn, in your summary area, put your phone number and email address for however long you're looking for work. It's a very simple way to make it easy for people to reach out to you, right? And on Indeed, where if you fill out the form, they're going to shield that from the person who's searching for you. I saw this today. Melvin, thank you. It was a great idea. This gentleman by the first name of Melvin embedded his phone number and email address into his resume so Indeed wouldn't strip it out. And thus, I was able to call him immediately about a job that he's going to be interviewing for next week. So when all is said and done, make it easy for you, to, make it easy for someone finding you to get in touch with you. Isn't that really what you want? So that's my tip for this show. Let's come back to our conversation here. And, uh, you know, I've got a slightly different – I think that's a brilliant idea, by the way. And I think one of the concerns that people have is if I put my name out there, if I put my contact information out there, I'm going to get spammed and you know, people are going to steal my identity. I don't think people need to be concerned about that in the LinkedIn's or the Indeed's. Um, you know, I think I think we're kind of past that point of people needing to be paranoid about that. So, I think you're right. It's a good idea. Thank you. So, coming back to your point from before, you know, one of the, my concerns about arriving with an agenda, uh, with the needs analysis, and presenting to it. Uh, is that most of the time, as I've as we've spoken about previously, 
you know, the job description that's institutionally approved may not be the actual job. So I try to encourage job hunters to basically confirm what it is that uh, the firm is looking for. So my opening is as soon as each of you is in the interview room and are lowering your derriere to the chair, I try to start off by saying, and this can be done at a phone interview as well, thank you so much for making time to speak with me. You know, I spoke with Eric about the job and he gave me a brief description, but I want to get your take on the role. Could you tell me about the job as you see it and what I can do to help you? And this will confirm that what you've researched is accurate. And once you have that information, you can talk about what you've done that relates to, the, relates to what they're looking for, which as we agreed yesterday is really the goal of all of this, is to address the concerns and interests of the employer as a salesperson would. Um, and I would almost suggest doing my question first just to confirm that what you've researched is accurate. And then from there, even if it's slightly off, slightly different than what you prepared for, you still can present the document and present to it and create that conversation flow. Does that seem like it, like it, the two strategies combined can work, or would you really just lope off mine? Well, you know, what, what we're finding with the interview presentations is that if it's presented correctly, and the way, you know, you don't want to present it as, this is the way it is, it's stamped in stone, it's definitive. It's always presented as, this is how I understand it now, let's discuss it to see if I'm on target. So, you know, by having something written and something that the interviewer can respond to, they have an, uh, an ability to say, this is a target, this is right, this is what we're looking for, or, you, you know, this is right, but, you know, we're looking for a little bit more, or this is really what we're targeting. So it gives them something visual to react to. You know, we mentioned yesterday that one of the broken pieces of interviews is two people are talking to each other, and only 20% of the population are auditory learners. 40% of the population are visual learners. It means they learn by looking at things. And then 40% of the population are kinesthetic learners. It means they, they learn by doing something. So by taking the visual 40% and the verbal 20%, you put that together, there's a much greater understanding and a much better ability to communicate clearly between two people. So, you know, the, our, our ideas are the same, Jeff, in that we need to do that needs analysis. We need to understand. But what we're finding is that people are not walking into interviews with a presentation and finding that they're so far off in left field that, you know, there's not a way to, to, to um, engage in, in, in a really uh, productive conversation. You know, the same thing, one of the things we suggest – we, we suggest people do is they put together a 30 and 60 day strategic action plan. So we're really saying put it down on a piece of paper what your goals are for your first 30 and 60 or first 30 and 90 days of employment. Now people say how could you possibly know that? Well first of all in your first 30 days the employment goals are pretty general. Get to know your coworkers. Get to know the policy and procedures of the company. Get to know what systems are used. Get to know um, how people communicate. Get to know the culture. So by talking about those things, you're not going to be off. And what you're communicating is, I know I need to add value to your company quickly. I know I need to learn how the company operates. Here's my ideas. When you get to the 60 days or 90 days, things get a little bit more 
um, specific. However, it's still if a person has researched the company, if they know the industry, they know the company, if they come out of a similar job, they pretty much know what the types of activities they should be engaging in in the first 60 days. So they're never far off, and again, what it does is it creates a rich conversation. So with a 30- to 60-day plan, sometimes or oftentimes we have the interviewer say, you know, these are good goals, but we have a fire going on that needs to be put out. Great. Let's talk about the fire. Okay, so what those, those, that, that, that conversation has brought out is something that is a real critical priority for the interviewer that then comes into the interview and can be spoken about, and the candidate can talk about how they would approach putting out that fire. Are there any types of jobs that you see this kind of presentation could not work for? Well, we, we have not run into one yet now. You know, if you look at highly technical jobs like coding, uh, you know, software coding, um, you may have to sit down and, and you'll be given a, uh, you know, some code to interpret or some code to write. But what we're finding is that even if you're in a highly technical job like writing software code, you still need to interact with others. You need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to fit the culture of the company. Um, you still need to be able to talk about things you've done on prior jobs and prior projects. You still need to understand what the critical requirements of the job and how you fit those critical requirements. You also need to be able to, to say, here's the value adds I bring that differentiate me from your other candidates, which makes me a better candidate. So the presentation works for everything, for all um, positions, and we're finding it works for all levels as well. People say, oh, this is just for higher level people, it's for the, you know, for the senior management, for the CEOs. But we're finding it works great for high school students who are graduating, looking for summer jobs, um, looking you know, uh, to get into the workforce, or college students as well, because what it does is they come into an interview really well prepared and really well organized, which is very impressive, especially because so few high school students or college students really do come into interviews well prepared. Thank you. I see that. Uh, and for that high school student or college grad coming out for an interview, it will cause you to stand out from the others who are coming in by leaps and bounds. And I mean that in a good way. So, so far we've been spending a lot of time talking about preparation and now presenting this document at the time of the interview. What else should someone know about the active interviewing process? Is there any more front-end work that really needs to be done uh, before we get to the physical interview? Well, well this, this interview presentation, again, is part of the preparation, but obviously also comes into the interview and is used during the interview. And one of the things that people ask me a lot is, how do you bring a presentation into your interview? How do you actually present it, how you actually bring it out into the interview. And one of the ways we find it has been very successful is that when a person, when the candidate walks into the interview, one of the first things they say in the interview is, you know, I'm really interested in this job. And I put together a presentation about my background, skills, education, and how they fit the critical requirements of the job and why I think I'm an excellent candidate. If we have time in the interview, I would love to share that with you. And then they just put the presentation down on the table. So what they told the interviewer is, I put this presentation together. If we have time and it fits your format, I'd love to share it with you. 
you know, it's implied that if it doesn't happen, that's okay too. So it's not a pushy thing. It's not an aggressive. It's just a gentle, here, I've done this piece of work that I'd like you to look at if you have the time. We, have, we find that invariably, almost in, you know, 99% of the time, the uh, interviewer at some point in the interview says, yeah, you know, let me see what you put together because they're curious. They want to see it. Um, Another time a lot of people present the, uh, put the, bring the presentation into the interview is when, they, when the interviewer says, well, tell me about yourself. And again, well, you know, I'm really interested in this job. I put together a presentation that will tell you about my background, skills, education, how they meet the requirements of the job. So they use it to answer that sometimes very difficult question, tell me about yourself. Um, so there's, and there's lots of other places. There's, um, there was one candidate who was actually going for a CEO position. He had, like, for one reason or another, uh, decided not to use the presentation in the interview. But during the interview, the interviewer said to him, what's your 100-day plan? And he said, well, I don't have a 100-day plan, but I have put together a 90-day plan. Let me show that to you. And he took his presentation out, showed the section on his 30- and 90-day plan, and then the interviewer said, wow, well, let me see the rest of that presentation. And so he took them through, through the entire presentation. Uh, so, so there's lots of ways of getting it, getting it in and, and being active with, with that presentation. Um, and again, the presentation is not stamped in stone. It's always, here's my current thinking. I know things will change when I get on the job, but I've done this preparation. And let me show you, you know, one of the things that's nice about the presentation is that the interviewer can actually watch the candidate present information and then answer questions about the information they presented. And interestingly, I can see how this would allow the uh, candidate uh, for the role to be in the superior position and kind of level the playing field a little bit. Because often, one of the mistakes job hunters make is they create this superior subordinate relationship. That is, the hiring firm is up high, looking down from their glasses that are lowered on their noses, <laughs> and talking down to the potential employee. You're laughing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's that power differential that exists because I've got the job and you want it. And by doing the presentation or by doing that opening question that I suggested earlier, you're doing things to level that power differential so that what you're doing is, in my case, uh, with my question, it becomes two equals speaking. And in your case, there's a lecturer there. And immediately the power differential is shifted. It's yeah, fascinating. It's going to advantage the job hunter in the course of the conversation. Please, please pick it up, Eric. Yeah, I, I, I talk about the same thing. I, I just talk about it in different terms. It's like a parent child or teacher student, right? So there's that, that differential, and, and adults don't like to feel like children, but when you go into an interview and you sit there and you're peppered with questions, you hope to answer the questions correctly, and if you answer the questions correctly, they're going to give you the prize, which is a job. It just it feels lousy, it just, it, 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 and, and people kind of get anxious and nervous and fearful. They feel like a child. Their, their thinking isn't as clear. Their creativity isn't as, as um, accessible. Um, their flexibility isn't as accessible as they become more fearful. So you're absolutely right, Jeff. You know, it, it really it, it, it labels that. 
And then I just want to, and then, you know, and, and continue the process. The last step after the, the, the you know, you, you use this presentation, and even if you don't use a presentation in the interview, it's a wonderful leave behind. So, you know, the preparation of the presentation is a huge step in the interview process. You're really well prepared. If you use a presentation in the interview, that's great, and it goes all, it typically goes very well. If not, you still have the information in your head. You know what you want to present, and then you can always use it as a leave behind. And at the end of the day, if there's five people that have been interviewed and there's four resumes and an interview presentation, you know, certainly what's, what's more, more impressive? And then, of course, after the interview is over, you know, um, people, you know, a lot of writers on the Internet, you'll see, they say, write a thank you letter. Well, I don't believe in thank you letters. I believe in follow-through letters. Right. So it's a sales process. After the interview is over, you don't want to write a letter, thank you very much for interviewing me. I look forward to hearing about, you know, from you about the position. That's a wimpy thank you letter. It really doesn't do anything. What you want to do is write a follow-through letter that has content in it about the benefits you're going to bring to the company, um, how you fit, what, went you, what you think went well, and what you were impressed with about the company. If you can put in your letter some things that connect you to the interviewer, um, maybe sometimes humor if there's some easy humor that came out in the interview that you can, um, can refer to. Um, Give us an extent of a typical follow-through letter. Excuse me? Uh, go through a typical follow-through letter. Uh, recite one to okay. us. Okay. Dear, dear, dear Mr. Smith, um, I, uh, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to interview with me today. I was particularly impressed with the new um, products you're coming out with around this type of, uh, you know, of services or, or, or this industry. Um, I think that you're really on target about how you're going to compete with such and such. Um, you know, I think that what I will bring to the table is some strategic planning, you know, ability to get you into these new markets, and um, you know, some insights about um, how other people in the, you know in the industry are, are solving these types of problems. I know you are concerned about this. However, I believe when I get on the job, I'll be able to overcome that uh, um, you know that piece that's missing my background by doing this. Um, you know, I look forward to, to hearing from you. So Perfect. that has all sorts of content that continues what was good about you in the sale, in, in the interview, and that little piece about if there was a concern, that you can, you can address that concern again and uh, hopefully overcome what I, what I refer to as objections in the follow-through letter. But the letter is substantive, and it has content that refers back to what was discussed and continue your selling yourself in that in that follow-through letter. Mm -hmm. And it's a very nice approach because when all is said and done, you know, every opportunity that you have as a job hunter to be selling yourself, you need to take advantage of it because otherwise all you're doing is giving people a different version of spam. You know, it's a throwaway. It's something that they can look at. It's like eating air. Why waste the opportunity? Use it. Exactly, exactly. And people, you know, there's all sorts of controversy. If you read, you know, online, should you send a thank you letter or you know, a thank you notice or, or follow through on your, on your, on your interview, 50% of people say yes. 50% of people say, oh, it's not going to make a difference. Why do it? But my thinking is even if 50% of the time it makes a difference, that's important. But also it's the professional thing to do. So even if you are, are, the, are the chosen candidate and 
sending a, a follow-through letter sets you up in a much more professional light so that even when you get on the job, you'll have a, you know, a, a better image going into that job because you've just done the right thing and you've done it well. So you need to send that follow-through letter. Don't, don't even think of it as an option. The other thing that, that, that I, bugs me a bit as well is that actually I've read people say when you leave the interview, go to your car, get on your smartphone, and send a thank you letter right away. And I'm thinking, don't do that because you need time to really think through and craft a good letter, and you can't do that five minutes after walking out of the interview. Um, you have a good 24 hours to send a, a follow-through letter. It doesn't have to be rushed and out in 10 minutes. I wouldn't go quite as far as 24 hours. I would certainly say the next morning, first thing, it can be waiting for them when they come in. I do want someone to take a little time to digest the experience and decompress and think about what they're going to write. Because I'm in one of those, I'm one of those people who's not sure about uh, follow-through letters or thank-you letters because I've seen so many people send them and they're badly written. Uh, and thus, they cause the employer to go, this, this guy's trying to create a, a good impression with me, and every third word is misspelled. Come on, folks, spell check your documents before you send it. Right. So, you know, that, that's always my concern. This, this poorly crafted letter goes out, which is certainly what's going to happen from your, your phone if you send it from the car in the parking lot, uh, or uh, craft while you're on the subway commuting back to your office. Instead, that evening while you're at home with whatever beverage you want to relax with, take a little bit of time to reflect on what, what has happened and then craft it. And my thing is always, uh, if you're using Outlook, send it so there's a time delivery so it's one of the first things that they see in the morning as opposed to, you know, very few people go back to the stuff from the at the end of the previous day and work the way to the current. Most people see what's visually in front of them, which is the most recent emails. So you want to kind of have that time for delivery uh, so they see it first thing when they're in in the morning. I had, I had an interesting incident happen just recently with a client of mine. They went for an interview. Say, we went for an interview. The interview was Monday morning, say. And they got back to their apartment, and it was – probably early afternoon, and they received a letter from HR asking them what their salary requirement was. So obviously that's a very positive sign that HR is asking, you know, how much is it going to cost us to get you, so, you know, pretty much. So we discussed writing this follow-through letter, and the decision was to write a very, very brief letter because – Exactly what you were saying, Jeff, is that obviously they like this. Can this, this, this my, my my client? They were asking how much it was you know he was he was looking for. So they were probably seriously considering a job offer. So we decided we didn't want to write too long a letter that in any way would um, queer the deal in some way that that would that would you know un, uh, cancel out the, the good impression. So we wrote just a. You know, tip, not typical letter that I would suggest, but it was more of a thank you for, for interviewing me letter, just so we kind of got on the record. Thank you. We're coming up on the end of our time with one another, Eric. What else do we need to tell everyone about active interviewing? Well, I, I, think, I think, you know, the message I want to leave people with is, um, and this is, I guess it's a little bit of a, a marketing message as well, 
putting together an interview presentation sounds like a very daunting thing to do, very difficult, very complicated, very time-consuming. We've developed an online interactive program that actually walks people through developing a briefing book. So we give them all the content areas that they need to look at and they need to get information about to fill out a briefing book. We have uh, developed a step-by-step um, -step presentation builder that actually gives people content that they can use in their presentation and they can edit that content to make it specific. So when people say to me, how long does it take to put together one of these presentations? If you really want to go through it, you know, kind of start to finish using the, the, the content um, libraries, you can do it in 30 to 40 minutes putting together a presentation. Now, some people take longer than that because they really think about it and they do a lot of research. But it's not this very difficult, complicated, um, impossible thing to put together. Um, if you have an interview, you know, tomorrow, you can put together a presentation today. And then the, th the third piece, which is a follow-through letter, we also help people. We give them sentence stems that they can then complete that then generates a letter. So people come out with a good, powerful follow-through letter instead of just a thank-you letter. So if people go to interviewbest.com, they will be supported and guided through the whole process of before, during, and after the interview. Cool. Um, what is the cost of using the interview best? The cost we you know, we we are certain we are aware that many job seekers who are unemployed and looking are you know, they're on a very tight budget. So what we've done is made this fantastically affordable. So you can actually do a trial, a one week trial of all three pieces: briefing book, presentation builder, and the follow through letter for a dollar. And that also includes a download of an ebook about interviewing. Should you decide, should the a person decide to keep it for longer than a week, um, it, we then charge $19.95 for 30 days. Beautiful. So that's within anybody's budget. And why is it that way? Because our dedication really is to helping people get jobs, and this just does that. It's the best interview preparation and interview tool out there today, and we want people to use it. We want people to use it to land jobs. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few ways to connect with me. First of all, if you're interested in one-to-one -one coaching from me, email me at jeffaltman at thebiggamehunter.us in the subject line. Put the word coaching. This way I know what it's about. I can get back in touch with you. We'll figure out a time to speak for an introductory conversation so that I learn what your needs are and you can figure out if I'm the right person to help you. Generally, I work with people at a manager level and above, but I do make exceptions from time to time. If you're not at that level and want advice from me, the best way is through JobSearchCoachingHQ.com. There I have curated information that I've developed and others have as well that you can watch, listen to, or read that's going to help you find work more quickly. Again, you can ask me questions through the site. I'd be very happy to answer your questions. I look forward to helping you in either of those two ways. And if we're not connected on LinkedIn, send a connection request to me at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash The Big Game Hunter. Mention that you listen to the show because I love hearing from fans, from listeners who have been helped by the show. And like me on Facebook, 
The page is facebook.com forward slash nobscoachingadvice.com or look for Jeff Altman, the big game hunter there. Give me five stars, a great review. It helps other people discover the show. And I'll be back tomorrow with more. In the meantime, have a great day. Take care.